Good morning. Well, today is going to be a little bit different, right? I mean, Zach and I are going to have a conversation today, and we want to bring you along with us. And this conversation is going to have some lo-fi jazz music playing in the background. So if you hear that, it's not a mistake. It's on purpose. So just kind of enjoy that as as we go through it. And, uh, And we're going to be talking about worry and what that looks like in our lives. No doubt. Um, you know, this is a great discussion. It's something that we're all uh, going through, especially right now. Um, and man, I, I'm just excited to talk to you about it. You know, for me, this, this kind of feels like a, uh, a family dinner conversation. Right, hopefully a little less uh, political. Um, <laughs> hopefully a lot less political, because those get kind of ugly sometimes. But. Sometimes. Right, but you know, it's interesting. Um, in the Bible, obviously it's important. It's talked about 365 times about worry, you know. And uh, I was talking with my wife, and she was having a conversation with her grandma just about um, some surgeries that she's had and a little bit of health stuff. And um, her grandma told her, it's, you know, 365 times the Bible talks about worry. And she said, and here's my own little proverb. If you can't do anything about it, don't spend a second on it, you know. And which is, like, way easier said than done, but it's still just, like, a little, like, reminder. And she said that was 366. That one's for leap day, you know. So that's her own personal little proverb. Yeah, her grandmother's pretty smart. I mean, she's that's, super smart. That, that's pretty cool to even know how many scriptures are there in the Bible about worry. And, and, and I love this one, Ecclesiastes 5.12. It says, the sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. So some of you aren't sleeping much. That's what that scripture tells me. Which is, a, you know, in Proverbs 13.8, it says... Being kidnapped and held for ransom never worries the poor man, uh, which I can totally attest to because no one's coming after me. So. <laughs> yeah, maybe someday that changes, right? You know, it, it's really interesting when, when you look at worry and, and, and you read the statistics on worry that are out there. It said that 60% of this country suffer from constant worry. I mean, just constant. And that blows me away a little bit. Did a little more digging into, into worry and fear. And these are the eight biggest fears that you face in life. The fear of failure, the fear of rejection, the fear of change, the fear of public speaking, the fear of imperfection or not being good enough, the fear of vulnerability, the fear of time, and the fear of loneliness. Any of those connect to you? Fear of public speaking is probably hitting a little bit. Um, you know, if you were to add a number nine, yours would probably be uh, fear of losing your hair. Um, but, uh, and you see how the political conversations begin with jabs like that? Yeah. Uh-huh. No, no doubt. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't even know where to go. That wasn't in the script, and we didn't do that at 9 o'clock. So online campus, you're special today, too, just mm-hmm. so you know. Um, you, you know, when you're really looking at, at our worries and our fears, uh, let me just ask all of you that are with us today, uh, what's your biggest worry or fear? What's happening in your life? Somebody tell me. Losing a loved one. Health. Dying. Kids. And say kids about 10 more times. Yeah. Someone else. What is it? The shape of our world. The what? The values of our world. All of those things are right. 
you know, because they're all worries specifically for you. Um, research shows that the top two fears for all of us are money and the future. So Zach, what are you worried about? You know, money comes up a lot, right? I think uh, being in your early 20s, money is a big stressor, right? Um, and I'm sure it, it hits you at every age. And, you know, I, I think at uh, when you're starting off a life and you're starting to build capital or trying to save, but, you know, you can't save and rent. Um, and so you can't buy house. You know, it's just hard, uh, uh, you know, at the beginning of your adulthood. Um, and I think that's probably a big one for most people's lives, too. Yeah, I think for all of us, somebody said money in here, right? And I think that's true for everyone that's that's ever lived. Right. Because you have to have money to survive. You have to have money to, to live, to buy a house or rent a place or to buy food. Uh, all of those things really co come into play. And, and, and money is such a, a unique topic, you know? Right. It's something that you can... Uh... It can solve some issues, but it can bring a lot uh, more problems into your life. Uh, I know, you know, it, sometimes when you search for money, it puts you in uh, hard situations, um, puts you in scary situations if you're going too far with it, if you're really on a pinch. And, um, and that, it's really frightening when you get to a, a level like that. I know you grew up in a town that was filled with the mafia, the mob, right? And so I'm sure there were a lot of missing pinkies over there. Um, yeah, and it's true. I grew up in a very mafia-oriented town. It was a small Italian community. You had the Lascolas and the Bernardis and other families that were involved in the mafia. And it wasn't uncommon for somebody to wind up dead in town because they were shot the night before. That's just part of the environment that, that I grew up in. And, and it was all about money or control or maybe those things kind of combined. It's definitely an aspect of money. Yeah. Power, control. And it's scary. And so, you know, some people want that. Some people uh, are trying to get away from that. So I know, you know, a lot of times people search for, uh, in, in the gambling sense, maybe hitting the lottery, trying to hit a big. Yeah, and we've talked about gambling a few weeks ago, and I, I, that, that's a hot button topic. Right. But, you know, you know, we see what is the lottery, like $600 million or whatever it's up to right now, and you go, man, it'd be really nice to have something like that. I mean, I could, what could you do with $600 million? Anything, right? You could be extremely generous, but you could also be extremely selfish. Um, and that's the thing, too, you know. And sometimes when you have that amount of money, you have to seclude yourself because uh, it's a scary world when, yeah. uh, you know, the rich man is uh, worried about being kidnapped and held for ransom. True. You know? That's true. We've talked about that as a family, even. Right. And um, one of your brothers says, if you hit that a lottery with that much money, start a business and act like that business is just making money and nobody will know right. that you're worth $600 million or whatever it is. Because once you hit that kind of money. Things, uh, things get tricky. Yeah. Yeah. You got to protect yourself. You got to protect yourself, right? And a lot of this stuff um, is scary, right? The future is scary. You know, uh, the future in my life has been uh, a pretty good stressor, a pretty major stressor. Um, I got married three years ago, and uh, February 29th of 2020, it was wild, and uh, I was moving down to Nashville to start, um, be a part of a church plan, lead worship down there, and uh, so, uh, the Tuesday of our honeymoon, we got married on Saturday, Tuesday, tornado came through and uh, wiped out a lot of Nashville, um, it destroyed the church building I was working at, 
And so we moved down a week early to do tornado relief and clean up. And then uh, the next week, COVID hit. So everything shut down. So we were in a new city, didn't know anybody. Um, and me and my wife, Hannah, were stuck in a 500 square foot apartment um, in a new city. And uh, it was a good crash course for marriage. Yeah, uh, I would, I would, I would right. say so, right? And uh, honestly, three years almost to the date, um, things are just now starting to, to turn, right? Um, in your marriage or just in the world? Uh, both our life, our marriage, okay. um, the way that the world is working out for us currently, and also the world, right? Three years into COVID, it's just starting to feel a little bit back to normal, right? And what is the future holding that? And, um, you know, when I, when I look at that, I, I think, um, what's my life going to look like when I'm 60? What's my career going to look like, my family? Um, will I become like a person that I would look up to today? Will I become a man that I would look up to today? Um, and I think it, it's really interesting, you know, I think when you're a teenager and I, you know, I'm a young adult, so I'm just coming out of this, right? Um, life is defined by years and moments and transitions, right? Uh, every year, like transition to the next grade, transitioning to the next uh, sports season or, um, when I'm 16, I get to drive. When I'm 18, you know, I become an adult. When I'm 21, I get to gamble. Uh, <laughs> things like that. But when you get to, when you start to realize, okay, like years are just moments that we are able to define time by, right? Your years aren't going to be defining transitional moments. Um, when you think it's like, okay, like maybe in a year things will get a little better. Um, time just takes time, right? Uh, and you can't really put defining moments on these years and expect them to, to really work out. Um, yeah, I, I think that's interesting because no matter what stage you're in in life, um, time is a factor in that. Right. Like for, for me right now, um, I'm, I'll be 57 this year and... Uh, <laughs> that was good. But for me at 57, which is really old, I got it, I, I get it. You know, for me it's like, well, what does my job look like? You know, the future of my job. In your stage of life, you're looking at what is your job and how does that develop it. For, for my stage of life, I'm looking at, do I have a job after I'm 60? You, you know, and how does, how does life work in those components? Can I, can I make it in this job until I'm 65, 67? Am I still relevant enough? Am I still in tune enough with what's happening in the culture? And then it even goes different than that for me. Because then for me, it goes into how much time do I have left? And that's a physical kind of thing. You know, it's like, okay, I'm almost 60. How much time, how many years do I really have left? My dad died at 62. Um, and so you look at that and you think, well, work, Family, will I, will I get to see my, uh, I've got one granddaughter, will I get to see my granddaughter graduate from high school? Will I get to see her be married? Will I get to see my future grandkids do those kinds of things right. and be part of their lives? And, and, and it's, a, it's a worry factor for me. I think, uh, you know, the future can seem dark a lot of times, not just like uh, psychologically, um, but in the sense that there's this miss, you can't see what, what's ahead of you, right? And I think uh, this little passage in the Psalms, which is one of your favorite, yep. um, 
I think it's really beautiful. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, if I go to the skies, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths of underground, uh, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle in the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day and the darkness is as light to you. Yeah, the reason that's one of my favorite scriptures, no matter what scenario or where I'm at, is because it lets me know that God knows me. Right. And, uh, and that's so important. I tend to, to worry about a lot of things, and I hold all that stuff in. And when I worry, I come back to the scripture time after time after time because God knows every hair that's on my head or not on my head. Mm-hmm. He knows every word that I'm going to say before I say it, and I can't hide from that. And that brings a lot of peace and, and comfort to me. Um, when you get to this stage, my stage of life, um, I, I think it's, maybe it's because of what I'm just coming out of, but it, health becomes a major worry factor as well. So it's not just the stuff going on around me occupationally and, and life-wise, it's, it's health. Um, when I was eight years old, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Uh, I was, I've been on insulin shots since I was eight. We were on vacation in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Uh, my mom, my dad, myself, and, and my sister. And um, I got to the point where I had to go to the bathroom like every two, three, four minutes. And my dad was a really great man, but those were challenges for him. You know, because we'd want to stand in line and go to something and I'd have to go to the bathroom. And I did that the whole time we were there. And then we ended up leaving Gatlinburg early to drive back to, uh, to, to the Pittsburgh area. And on the way back, I went into this comatose kind of state where I just wasn't responding. And we get back, go to the hospital in Pittsburgh, and they say, well, you know, you're, you're a diabetic. And in that moment, didn't know what that meant, except one of the doctors said, your life expectancy is about 32 years old. As an eight-year-old, that just blew me away. I mean, it just, it affected how I thought, um, how I continued to think, you know, how I did my life and lived my life. And I I think it kind of played into this whole uh, stroke thing that I had a few weeks ago, is like, when I don't know anything or know anyone or know what words are or how to put sentences together, it's worries. Right, I think... um... One, any child dealing with the uh, the thought of death personally um, is just, it's scary and it's hard. And I think that's something that does affect you going forward in life. Obviously, I, I think it's a traumatic experience. And um, similar thing of when I was 18, I had a brain tumor and uh, they didn't know if it was cancerous off the bat. And so being 18, uh, that's a scary thought, um, being blind and uh, not knowing if I, you know, I have a cancer, if I'm going to be able to outlive my parents and um, if I'm going to have kids. It's a, it's a really big uh, uh, thought process, a huge thought for a child to, uh, to go through. Um, and I think it, they're defining moments and um, it's really scary. How did, how did you feel when, and we went through a lot of, you know, a few weeks of pretty intense stuff. Right. How, how did you feel when we were going through that intense 
The beginning or in the midst? Uh, kind of both. The beginning, um, man, the, the scariest part was uh, when you, I, you know, I went in and I had an MRI, and when I came out, um, they were like, well, we'll give you a call and like, let you know what we see. And I was at band practice, and uh, you gave me a ring, and uh, you said, hey, just want to let you know it's, it's a tumor, right? And I was like, okay, well, that's not great. Um, we, we'll figure it out. I was like, well, I got a show, and, you know, too, I got to play Bunbury, you know, so it's like, I will just get it out. Um, and, uh, but as I, I went to work later on that day, and I was sitting there, I was like, you know, I think I need to, like, probably leave, right? Like, I'm kind of stressed right now, and um, as a 18-year-old edgy boy or whatever, I went to a graveyard and just, like, walked around and mm. contemplated, and uh, which is scary. It's like, I, I don't think any kids should have to like think like that and go through something like that luckily it wasn't cancerous and i was able to just get it out and be fine but those moments were were worrisome and yeah they were worrisome for you and worrisome for us as well you know we went ended up going to saint jude in memphis because of the type of tumor that it was and we're in one of the diagnostic rooms after they were running all kinds of tests and one of the the medical people came in and uh and Zach was blind in his left eye at that point. And this guy said, um, again, Zach's 18. This guy said, um, yeah, you'll never drive again. Just flippantly rolling that off of his tongue uh, as he said that. And I saw the look in Zach's face. I mean, here's an 18 year old, you know, young man going, you're never gonna drive again? You're, you're, that's who his life. I mean, when you're 18, that's part of who you are. You, you know, and, and I, Zach looked at him and it was just like, I looked at this guy and I wanted to, to deck this guy, to lay him out for saying that. And, but it's just like the unbelievable concept that that could be part of his life, um, which you see the, the result of that when you woke up after the brain tumor was removed. And the first question is, can you see? Perfect, it was beautiful, you yeah. know. Super clear is great, and we also don't encourage decking people. No, right. that's true. Um, I want to put that out there. This is a humbling experience, by the way. <laughs> um, you know, I love James 4 because I think it fits into the whole concept of what happens if death is part of your life, and it says this. Look here, you who say today or tomorrow, we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while and then it's gone. You know, like life and death have a really beautiful dance um, that we all come to face one day. Hopefully when we're old uh, and we've experienced a lot and we've given a lot of knowledge, um, and hopefully we've, we've brought some life into this world. And you know, uh, that's a scary thought, bringing life into the world. Um, being a, a young married couple, eventually, uh, I hope to have kids. Not anytime soon, still poor. Um, but You don't want to tell us anything? I, I, mean, I don't. Uh, okay. Nope. Right, just, I, I was hoping. I ain't got no money. Okay. So you're talking more like a collective future for everyone. Collective future. What, what's the world look like um, for our kids, 
uh, for our kids' kids. Like, what, what world are we making or are we bringing life into? I think it's an important thought. Um, if you are playing I have kids or unexpectedly have kids, like, it's an important thought of, like, what child am I bringing in? What's the world going to look like for the child? And um, I think it's interesting, are we, we're going to be dealing with an over-polluted world, um, wars, a, uh, a world ran by chat GPT, which is an AI robot, you know, um, scary thoughts like that. Uh, you know, maybe another pandemic, which might not be as easy as the one we just went through, which um, imagine having one that's a 50% mortality rate. That's a scary thought to say, like, am I going to bring a child in this world that is uncertain and scary? Um, you know, since COVID, anxiety has been up 25%, which to some might feel like a lot. Some might, it not, might not be. If you struggle with anxiety, you might um, be like, oh, that's not as many as I would assume. But, you know, one out of five people suffer from a diagnosable anxiety, which is, a, that's a lot of people, you yeah. know, a lot of worry in this world. And that's, you know, this is from a study that people that admitted to it. Right? Yeah, I, I, and a lot of us don't want to admit to that. But like the stat I used earlier, 60% right. of our current population is, is affected by anxiety. It's affected by worry and, and it, it impacts their lives in a dramatic kind of way. It's a stress. And uh, you know, people find the, the, the future of this country to be a major stressor, um, which is important too, because this is the, the place that we live. This is our home. These are our people. And um, I think it's an important thought to, to go through. It's like, well, what, what will this future look like, right? Yeah, and that's where you get into the, some of the political debates and you know, some of the, the more current cultural debates that are out there that, that cause a lot of worry and panic. And you can see those in the whole political realm, uh, which is coming up again, the new election coming up. And, and you'll see the stress level rise and the worry level rise. And, and you'll see people panic right. because of who or who may not be president or in an elected office. Which is... Uh... They're interesting, hard topics that um, that we can stress on and worry. But if you know, as Mary Lou would say, Hannah's grandma, if we uh, if we can't change it, don't spend a second on it, right? Like some of these things, um, which is a nice little proverb. But I under- totally understand that some of these things really do affect our lives. Um, but you know, us in general, in our own personal lives, which affects our families, our communities. Uh, our friends. It's, you know, we make the difference in our personal worlds that uh, we bring these children into. Uh, yeah, I, I love Proverbs 1920 uh, from the message translation. It says, take good counsel and accept correction. Well, we don't do that very well, no matter who we are. That's the way to live wisely and well. We humans keep brainstorming options and plans, but God's purpose prevails. Mm. I, how do you do with taking good counsel and accepting correction? Man, uh, better. Better? Better. That's true. Better than when you were younger, that's for sure. So, you know, I, yeah, that's fair. I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> they're interesting times in this world. And, um, you know, I, I think you, you're talking about politics and all these things. The phone is... Um, a scary aspect uh, of our lives, just how constant it is with us and all the information that, um, that is coming. Oh yeah, right. like being bombarded by the media. And that doesn't matter what media it is. It can be right. social media, it could be Facebook, Twitter, 
you know, whatever, Instagram, whatever is there. It could be the news media. It, it could be, you've always got that with you. And it really affects everything that, that, uh, that we do. It, it affects how we view ourselves, which cause all kinds of, causes all kinds of worry. Like, do I look right? Am I dressed right? Do I drive the right thing? Do I live in the right type of house? Uh, because we measure ourselves by what we see on, on social media, and it causes stresses and worries. Right. It, it is interesting. I think um, when you look at your life early on when you were growing up, uh, media was just different, right? The TV was different, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We had three channels. And, uh, and you had to actually get up off the couch, the chair, the floor to go turn a physical right. dial. And also the interesting thing about media when I was growing up was, man, at midnight, the American flag came up on the screen, the song played, and it was static. I mean, you couldn't watch anything after midnight. That was the end of the, your, your media experience. It's just interesting, me growing up, I, you know, I was born into the 24-hour news cycle. Um, TV was on constantly, news was on constantly. Uh, if you turned on, you, you could see some of the most uh, stressful things in your life, I'm sure. Uh, I know you mentioned, just mentioning uh, the Charles Manson case when you were growing up, like you weren't even allowed to, to see that kind of thing. No, my dad made sure, I, I mean, again, the TV was certainly part of my life growing up, but uh, when the, the Helter Skelter, if you remember what that was, and the Charles Manson murders, and, and that was the biggest thing to happen. And my dad never said this to me except once, you will not watch any of that. And he made sure that I was not allowed to watch because of how gruesome it was and, uh, and how that impacted people. And it's scary. Um, it's especially scary for children being able to, to see this kind of stuff. And I think now that uh, we have cell phones and social media and all these things that where a lot of these stories um, are just very prevalent in everyday life and culture. And, you know, there was the, um, just even recently, the, the Idaho, you know, college murders. And um, on TikTok, er everything on the feeds were just people speculating or, like, making uh, accounts or, like, mm. maybe here's some information. And, that's on every everybody's timeline, and and it, it's kind of a scary thing. And then how quickly those things become media stories, and uh, even like Dateline had their episode, and this happened just a couple months ago. They had the full thing of mm -hmm. a couple days. You know, it's it's really a wild time. Um, in 2016, it was uh, coined headline stress disorder, right? All these uh, clickbait headlines that really like pull you in, really start to to weigh you down. Um, I know, like. When you were growing up, you had uh, the Vietnam War was televised, right? The first time we'd ever, uh, the whole public could really see what's happening um, on a war front. Right? Well, yeah, to, to some degree, for sure. I mean, you, you know, when the Vietnam stuff was posted on TV, you didn't see a whole bunch. You got to see a little bit. Right. I mean, headline stress disorder for me was Barney Fife trying to pull a bullet out of his pocket and put it to a gun. Right. I, I mean, you know, it was the Andy Griffith show. It was... A sheriff with no weapons solving problems in a very cool kind of way, but it was just different, right? You know. And now we have um, on our phones at our fingertips, we can you know track what Russia's doing on the other side of the mm -hmm. world and stay completely up to date about uh, these really stressful 
situations that are happening in our world. And I think a lot of the times, um, because of how stressful the media is and, and how much um, these news stories uh, interact with us, you know, a lot of times we get uh, anxious and worried about um, how scary the outside world is, right? But if you were to look outside, a lot of the stuff isn't happening in your front yard, right? Um, it's not something that you can really control or see right away. And in some of our lives, some lives are a lot more difficult. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, I think as we started researching for this, uh, we looked at Matthew chapter five, which I, I think gives for me a calming kind of presence uh, from, from the Bible. And it says this, if you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God, and you count far more to him than the birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? No, by the way, just in case you're wondering, no. All this time and money wasted on fashion. Do you, do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop, but have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think that he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What am I trying to, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting, so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up whenever the time comes. Just a powerful scripture. I think it's a beautiful representation of uh, what we struggle with a lot, especially with um, this culture and social media, like really comparing yourselves, but... Uh, we are what way more important than the wildflowers and they're beautiful and we're all created beautiful and you know I, I think when we we talk about some of this stuff um it's interesting you can talk about worry you can talk about anxiety um all you want you can talk about current culture and the future but really like what what can we do right um what can we do when it when it really matters when we're dealing with uh, some of the stuff and off the bat i think um we can open our Bibles. There, there is truth in there, and I think uh, just that last little little part. It says God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes, and I think that's just a a beautiful true statement about what we're dealing with here, right? Yeah, there's there's so much good stuff inside the Bible, and sometimes we pass right over it hmm. because we think it's archaic. We don't think it matters or applies to our current culture, when in fact there's something in there for everyone in every scenario. I think we can also, we need to make sure that we keep and make these deep, meaningful relationships. Uh, we're not meant to do life alone, none of us. And, and I think you see that going through the being sequestered during COVID, mm -hmm. how, 
how much anxiety happened because we weren't able to connect to anybody. Right. We need those. We lost a lot. I think a lot of people lost a lot of meaningful connections and relationships. Yeah. Um, that it's important to rebuild and try to work on doing that. And I think um, finding a way to give back is a very important aspect of, of helping with uh, anxiety and, and worry. I think um, giving your time and your energy to, to lend a hand and help somebody else out, I think really does make an impact on your mental health. Yeah, it, it does. And we don't even realize that sometimes. But sometimes by us going and serving, giving, contributing back to the people around us, it allows it allows us to lift ourselves out of where we are. Right. Because sometimes we can't see past the issues that we're facing. And when you go and serve or help somebody in Jackson, Kentucky, that lost everything to a flood, you realize how much you have. You know, when you go overseas and serve somebody in Haiti after the entire country is devastated by an earthquake, you realize we're pretty okay, you know, what, what we've got. Currently, right? And I think... Um some of those news stories really do affect the way that you think, are we going to be okay? Are we all right? And they're real worries and factors, but I think something that we need to do is uh, seek out positive news and maybe take social media breaks, right? Um, I think seeking out positive news, it sounds a little goofy. I think most of the time you might find uh, stories about a, a lost dog finding its way home. Or, um, well, hey, let, that's what your mother looks for all the time on social media. So right? She is a pretty. champion of lost animals. And, I, and it's beautiful, but I think there's really great stories um, about humans doing uh, wonderful things for other people. And um, I yeah, think yeah. seeing some of those things, and um, it really does affect the way that you view your outlook on life. And I think taking, uh, we didn't put this up, but I think taking um, social media breaks are incredibly important because uh, some of these things are, it affects your brain chemistry, right? Uh, dopamine highs, which are, dopamine is the chemical release that, um, when you do pleasurable things like eat food, um, have like great conversations, anything that's enjoyable, right? And um, uh, social media tricks your brain to release these these chemicals. And uh, you know, if you've ever spent two hours just going down YouTube rabbit holes or um, TikTok or Instagram, I think when you get done, you're like, oh, I feel drained, right? I feel tired. I feel um, just like really worn out it's because of uh, a dopamine uh, drainage. Which yeah, um, I, I think it's a good thing to. Um, to look at and, and looking at the positive news stories right look at what happened with uh damar hamlin um the player for the bills that, that you know was out on the field thought he was going to die you know they they resuscitated him had him in the hospital look at the positive effects that 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 had right not just here in cincinnati in buffalo around the country right just from a, a story of people caring and i think those are huge I think uh, another thing we need to do is we, we have to stay physically healthy, right? We got to take care of our um, our bodies and our souls, and in turn, it affects and takes care of our mind. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, looking at the food that you're eating, make sure that you're getting enough um, exercise, or just taking a walk or taking a jog. And you mean not eating McDonald's every day? It's probably not great for you. Not um, great. How about Chick Fil A? Are we okay there? It's good for the soul. I it's guess. good for the soul. Good. Okay, we got that. We love Chick Fil A, by the way. Thank thank you guys. Um, but you look at that and sometimes, you know, you think, well, I'm going to relieve some stress by driving through McDonald's to get a fast meal. But in reality, what you're putting in your body causes more stress than the time that you save by being a fast food type, type environment. I think the last thing or one of the last things on this list is don't be afraid of getting counseling if you need it. 
you know, sometimes there's a stigma that goes with this counseling kind of thing. Listen, we all need professionals. We all need people that can help us walk through scenarios and situations that we're in the middle of. Don't be afraid of that. There's some great counseling centers out there, places like Thrive Point Counseling. Uh, Jody, one of my friends, actually started that. And, and it's a, a, a Christ-centered counseling uh, situation. Very, very good stuff. Good, good background, good, good counselors. And now they're, I think they're in three states. And, and they're going fantastic. Find something like that right. if you need it. Sometimes it's, uh, it's very important to have a professional helping you out uh, than just a friend talking uh, talking with you about problems. I think having somebody that um, understands psychology and uh, the way the brain works and is really uh, trying to get you to, um, to that point in your life where you can overcome some of these anxiety and worries. I agree. So I, you know, I just want to close this, this little thing out with, um, with Romans 15, 13. I'm going to kind of say it as a prayer. So if you guys want to pray this with me, it says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in them then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I think we can all, all use some confident hope, right? I think we all need that. If you will, this is a hope factor for me. Take out these cups. This is called communion. But it's more than just bread and juice. Because this is about Jesus providing ultimate hope for us. This is about Him sacrificing his body, his life, so that we can be forgiven. And I don't know anything in my world that brings more hope than understanding what this means. It's just too important. It's just too valuable. Matter of fact, we're, I wanna do this this morning. Will you open up the bottom of this bread, of this cup, there's bread in there. Will you take that out? This is what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, listen, I'm getting ready to do something significant for you. You're not going to get it right now, but eventually you will. When you need to find hope, this is how you find it. Take this bread in remembrance of what I'm doing for you, which is the ultimate sacrifice. Let's take this together. And then he took the wine and he passed it around. And he said, this represents my blood. Now blood is a, what was required for any type of a sacrifice to cover your sins. He says, this is the ultimate coverage for your sins. You don't have to worry about them anymore. You don't have to worry about your past because that's forgiven. Let's take this to Because of that, because of that sacrifice, because of what Jesus did for us there, that gives us the ultimate hope. It's eternal life. It's eternal life with God. It's living perfectly with God in heaven. And it's allowing us to live heaven here on earth right now. Don't miss that point. You have everything you need to live in an abundance of life to live a great life, unfettered was the word used in that scripture about the birds, an unfettered life. You're not tethered to anything. Nothing is holding you back and nothing is holding you down. We have the hope of that happening for us right now. I'm gonna ask you to stand with us. 
Charlie and the band are going to sing this song. We're going to have some people down front. If you need to talk to somebody this morning, to find ways to connect to Jesus, to surrender your life to him, to allow him to take away your pain and your hurt and your past, we're here for that. We'll meet you down front as we sing this.